Praise God. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this, this, to this sermon series we're going to be starting here today, and it's Divine Healing in the Age of Corona. I, I tell you, I've been, I've been waiting a long time to get to this particular message, and you know I've been sort of hinting at it over the last several months, uh, and I, I want to get right into the message, but before I do, I want to kind of connect the dots because our world has changed over the last year for sure. In fact, about a year ago, I started talking about some things that for some of you sounded like, well, why are you talking about that? Why are you bringing this up, right? And uh, certainly they had, they had some racial overtones for sure. No one knew that in March of this year, our world would be turned around for a number of reasons, but one of them racial for sure. And so I began talking about that. And I also later on uh, in the beginning of this year, I started talking about uh, naming and claiming. I started talking about the prosperity, the, the word of faith tradition that has been part of our ministry and trying to explain that because I'm trying to get to this issue of healing. And I, I'm excited to get to it today because I know people have a lot of questions. On the one hand, brother, you're saying, preacher, you believe in divine healing. Why are your church closed? <laughs> so we're going to talk about that and why that's the case and why even though that is the case, when we say the church is closed, the church isn't closed. The building is closed, not the church, of course. But you know what I mean there. Why, why, if you believe in divine healing, why don't you open the doors of your building, right? And so how is it that we can have that experience and yet believe God for healing? I want to talk about the divine healing message, though, because it is an important part of the ministry of Jesus. And as I indicated, as I've been saying, in fact, the sermon before the, we started the quarantine, I began saying that our church would be a center for healing. That, that God, that people would come here, that it would be like the pool of Bethesda, and people would come here from all around the world uh, to, to, to be healed. And so in order for that to happen, there's a lot of things that need to happen. We need to draw closer to Jesus, number one. But number two, um, we need to receive teaching on healing. You know, the, the scripture talks about as Jesus traveled throughout the various cities, he would teach, he would preach, and he would heal. He would teach, he would preach, and he would heal. And let me tell you something. Uh, it, 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 it's one thing to Try to think about divine healing as a person sitting on the sidelines. And when I say sitting on the sidelines, as a person who does not actively pursue healing for themselves and others on a regular basis, you kind of theorize about what God might or might do. It's a totally different thing when you're actively involved in pursuing healing for yourself and others, you get a different perspective. And one aspect of it is the teaching. Now, there are ways to receive healing through the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, the Pool of Bethesda is an example. In that, in that, and, and I won't go into the passage right now, but, you know, if you look into the gospel, so you had the man sitting by the pool of Bethesda, and the angel would stir the water, and it was just like whenever, whenever the spirit moved, essentially, the healing would be available in the pool, but you, you couldn't just go go anytime you wanted to, right? Well, that's one way to receive healing, when the Holy Spirit just decides to do miracles, and there have been miracles done in our church. In fact, some of you may even recall, I remember there was a man sitting just to the left of me right here, and he had come here for the very first time, and, and he, he came in in a back brace, and uh, he was in pain. He'd been that way. I, I think this is his, it was his first time to the ministry, and for whatever reason, that Sunday we were doing, we were, this particular Sunday, we were separating out, separating out the congregation where the married couples went to one area and the single stayed in another area. And this brother, he came with his wife, and he had to get up. And as soon as he got up, people were walking through the doors. He says, I'm healed. My back. My back is healed. I mean, he came in in a brace. It was a miracle of God that we all witnessed. And so some, that was, an, uh, that was a, a manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. You don't get to decide when that happens. The Holy Spirit decides. But there are also other times where you can simply go to Jesus himself. 
as we see many times in the Gospels where you see the faith of the individual is noted, they said, Jesus, I'm looking for you. And I'm looking for you because I need healing. I'm coming to you because I'm tired of the pain. That's what the woman with the issue of blood says. She was tired of the pain and she saw Jesus and she went forth. There was blind Bartimaeus. He was blind, but he could hear the noise. He'd been hearing testimonies of this man that heals people. And he didn't care when he heard Jesus was walking down. He said, Jesus, have mercy on me, right? And he pursued his healing. So we can also pursue healing that way. So I want you in this series to foster a faith to be healed. Yes, even in the midst of corona, Jesus dealt in it at a time where there was leprosy. That was out there. That was a big deal, right? And so even in that time, Jesus was moving in his healing ministry, okay? So we're going to talk about that today. So going back to my notes, I'm going to get into it. So uh, earlier this year, we began a series called Name It and Claim It, which I just indicated, right? Its purpose was to give a background on some of the key tenets of the word of faith doctrine, which a lot of people have a lot of ideas about it, right? While there are several Christian traditions that have influenced this church, that is Zoe Christian Fellowship, one of the more significant ones uh, are, the do- are doctrines of the Word of Faith movement. Now, the Word of Faith movement is referred to by many other terms, some of which merely describe, and others that mock. And you may have heard of some of them. For example, prosperity preachers, neo-Pentecostals, that's the seminary term for this group, right? Uh, name it and claim it, which is, that's often used to mock, and some people just use the term because they say, fine, if you're going to call us that, I'll just say I'm naming it and claiming it, right? Or blab it and grab it. That's used to mock, right? Okay? So among other things, the Word of Faith movement places an emphasis on the extension of God's promises of material blessings from the biological children of Abraham to the spiritual children of Abraham. We actually talked about this in detail several months ago. I'm not going to get into all that detail. You can all, all actually find those sermons online, the Name It and Claim It series, particularly parts one through four, you can see, or one through five, you can see where we break down the relationship uh, between the spiritual children of Ab- the, the biological children of Abraham and the spiritual children of Abraham, which we become through Christ Jesus. Those promises include, but are not limited to, healing, physical protection, provision and financial prosperity, favor, all controversial things because. There are people who say, look, you talk about that's not really the purpose of Scripture. That's not gospel-centered. You're, you're off base and all those other kind of things. And certainly there are folks who are off base. I'm not going to challenge that at all. There are folks out there that are unbalanced. Their motives aren't pure. They are only after people's money. They are just financing personal things. That's out there. I'm not saying that. But i got to say this as a person who's grown up with people from a child who live by the word of faith doctrine. Most of the people that I've interacted with in this doctrine aren't famous preachers. They're everyday folks who say, I want my healing. They're everyday folks who say, I'm not accepting cancer. They're everyday folks who say, I'm not accepting this diagnosis from the doctor. You don't know who they are. They're not famous, but they're quietly believing God for their healing, and they get results. Now, I'm not saying, look, I preached a whole series on the idea that, look, sometimes things happen that you don't own it, expect, and though you prayed for it, it didn't go your way. I have situations like that. I prayed for people where things didn't go the way I wanted. I'm not saying that's not the case, but what I am saying is that you, if you put your faith in Jesus, the overall pattern is that he documents his faithfulness with answered prayer. That's the overall pattern. 
No different than you would say for a person who is, uh, uh, I'm going to use basketball as an example, someone who shoots the ball. They're going to miss the ball. Some, Steph Curry misses shots. Michael Jordan misses shots. But you're not counting the misses, you're counting the makes. Overall, he's a winner. And that's what I'm saying. As you give yourself to this as a way of life, you will see the faithfulness of God consistently. I've, this is a person who's been in hospital room, rooms at 2 o'clock in the morning, been in waiting rooms with people of God saying, no, the doctor says this, but God says that, and seeing things change. And this is, we're not just making this up. I'm not sharing this with you because I'm trying to finance my debt, and if I get you all hyped up, you're going to pay for my debt. That's not my motivation. My motivation is to, for those who say, look, I've been to the doctor. They haven't helped me. I need Jesus to do something. And, if the, and you want to know how to do that? This is what this sermon is for. Let's continue. For the purpose of this current series, the focus is on healing. My approach to this subject is not sensational, nor argumentative. I'm not trying to debate you. If you, if you want to believe that healing is not for today, I'm not upset at you. In fact, there are, there are ministers I listen to. I love their preaching. I love their teaching. They think differently than I do on the subject of healing. I'm not offended because many of them, they're, the reason why they're against it is because of their fidelity to the Scripture. They, the way they read the Scripture, they say, this is not true to the Scripture. I can respect that. If their motive is, I'm going to be true to the Scripture, and I don't want to make, I don't want to send people in a way that's against the Bible. I get that. I just happen to have a different perspective, okay? So, so I'm not here to argue, to be argumentative. I'm not trying to hype you up, I'm, but I'm practical. The, this lesson has two objectives. One, to demonstrate that developing faith for divine healing is biblical, practical, and beneficial. I'm going to say that again. To demonstrate that developing faith for divine healing is biblical, practical, and beneficial. If you don't believe that, you're just, you're just not going to embrace it. I mean, I know people, God-fearing people, people who love God. I, in fact, I talked to a student a couple years ago. She was saying, I just even don't even know if we should be praying for people to be healed. And that came out of the fact that uh, she's had a, a whole line of people, she who, friends who got sick, and she was praying for them, and it, it didn't go well. And out of that experience, she says, I just don't even think that we should be doing that. She's just, she's so disappointed by the results that she's discouraged. And she questions whether we can do this today. Right? And, and, and before I say the second point, let me say this. This is not about shaming people who don't believe or who don't, who, who don't see a manifestation of healing, folks. Let's, 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 be, let's be real with that. I said in, in another series not too long ago, you got faith haters and you got faith shamers. You got people who just shame people who don't think like they do with respect to healing, and that's their business if they don't want to do that. It doesn't make, you're not a better Christian if you get physically healed. You're not a worse Christian if you don't get physically healed. That's not, that's not, a, that's not a sign of your commitment to Jesus, right? But all I'm saying is that it's available and that it's worth fighting for. I mean, think about it. You've got folks who are in terminal, terminally ill situations who will take on medical procedures they know is not guaranteed. They know it's only a 50% chance. They know it's only a 30% chance, but they give it all they got. Why not do that with the word? Why not do that with Jesus? Why not say, hey, I'm going to give Jesus, these are the promises. Jesus, you walked on earth as a healer. I'm going to take you at your word. Let's go for the second reason here, the second objective here. To foster, here we go, reasonable, heavy on the word reasonable, expectations, 
for divine intervention in the healing and recovery of your physical body. Okay, I'm going to say it again. To foster reasonable expectations for divine intervention in the healing and recovery of your physical body. Why do I say re reasonable? Because there's some people, they don't use common sense. They pray, but they don't use common sense. They're, they're, they're I mean, and we'll get into this toward the end of the sermon, right? You, 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 it's not like the principles for healing you get to ignore all the other principles of Scripture. You get to ignore all practical principles, all the ways you're supposed to care, take care of your body and all those other kinds. It's not like that, you know, doesn't exist anymore. In fact, there's people who believe in God for healing, but they live in a stressful context and are contributing to their own demise by lifestyle changes, habits, not going to the doctor, not using wisdom. So it's not like those things are in place. So that's why I'm saying reasonable. Just because you believe in God for healing don't mean you can't have surgery. Doesn't mean you can't take medicine. Doesn't mean you can't go to the doctor. You, hey, the doctor, hey, the doctor's on the same team as Jesus. We're trying to get rid of the sickness. We're all on the same team, right? We're not against each other, right? So I'm not asking you to ignore something your doctor has prescribed. All I'm saying is you can believe God while you're taking your Tylenol. That's all I'm saying. You can believe God while you're putting on the Band-Aid, while you're going to the doctor. Okay. So addressing skeptics, look, most people on either side of this issue have an all or nothing approach. And what do I mean by that? I mean that you got folks who, well, first of all, I'll start off with the, with the word of faith folks. Like they look like, look, if, 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 you, if, you, if, if, you, if you still sneezing, you ain't having faith. <laughs> you ever heard? And I, it's from folks I respect too. But, I, you know, they, they, they take it to some place. I haven't had a headache since 1932. <laughs> And I'm like, well, good for you. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. I may not be there, but, you know, it doesn't have to be like that <laughs> to, 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 for you to believe, right? So it's like you got to just, whoo, if, if every word you say is not lining up, you know, you, you can't even have a casual conversation with them. You can't even talk. It's just like, whoo, they're just working on you. So it's so extreme. You can't just talk, right? And there's other people who say, look, if it don't happen all the time, it don't happen anytime. See, I, that other person, we pray for them, they, they die. So it must not work. Well, you, you know, you, you're not being, uh, again, most people who say that, um, they're not actively involved as a way of life in pursuing healing. Folks who pursue healing, we got stories of prayers not being answered. We got stories of folks didn't get it. We got those. We know about that. But we're saying that's not the overall pattern. That's not the overall pattern. And if you got trust in man-made means of healing that you know aren't 100%, why would, you, why would you not use God's ways which don't cost you any money? There's no side effects. There's nothing to lose. What you got to lose? What do you have to lose by believing God? So I, I'm not an all or nothing approach. I'm not against people who don't believe in healing. That's fine. That's not, it's not the end of the world. I just know that I, look, if I get a, a, attacked or something like that, I'm going to Jesus. I'm going to take my medicine and do all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to Jesus. I grew up in a household where as soon as something happened, my father would lay hands on my head and say, and we would do whatever we need to do, go to the doctor, that, all that kind of stuff. But he lay hands on my head and say, in the name of Jesus, I speak healing over your body. I do that with my sons. When I was very young, I went to a doctor, word of faith. He went to, we went to Crenshaw Christian Center with Apostle Fred Price. And this man, he was a medical doctor, and he went to that church. And I remember when I was about five or six years old, I was going through something. It was, I was, there was blood in my urine. And we were trying to figure it out. And so he gave me, I went to the doctor. He gave him his diagnosis. And then he said, okay, 
I did my diagnosis. Now let me pray for you. And this doctor in his, in his room, he, did, he laid his hands on my head to believe God for healing. He believed in the science, but he believed in Jesus. And, you know, it stopped at some point, you know, and I, I, just, I just trust the power of God was at work, right? So forget all this all or nothing stuff. Don't, don't worry about that. Just if you want it, go pursue it. We're going to teach you how to do that. If your knowledge of the prosperity movement comes primarily from television hype, popular catchphrases, disgruntled Christians, and internet critics, you will miss the central motivation of those most committed to it. You're in all the hype, and that's cool, but people who really do this, who have real testimonies, who aren't famous, who don't fly a jet, just live in their lives and trust in Jesus, you don't, you don't even know them. You've never met them. They have testimonies. And when you go online and say it doesn't work, it's like, wait a minute. Why are you giving me all these reasons not to believe Jesus for healing? Why are you doing that? That's fine if you want to do it, but I, that's not the track record of the life I've lived with normal folks. Let's continue. I am actually going to get to Scripture today. I'm only going to go to one passage today, okay? I know that sounds real. Preacher, you know, especially on this, you need to ground this in Scripture. I promise you I am. But I've got I've to do all these prerequisites because people aren't, you say healing, you say prosperity, people's minds go places, and they don't stick around long enough to hear you. So you've got to kind of set it up. Believe me, next Sunday, we're gonna, we're gonna, there's some passages I'm just ready to go into, but I can't just jump into this subject because people are like, okay, let me see what this brother going to say. Let me, let me see. Let me see what he's going to say. So you're you checking me out right now, right? So i got to set you up. i got to let you know I'm not crazy, I'm not insane, I'm practical, but I believe in divine healing. Let's continue. My commitment to the doctrine is not just in how I've interpreted Scripture, but in the tangible impact I've seen it have on people's lives, including my own. I've got real testimonies. People have real testimonies. I know people who have, you know, I know one man. I, I, thought, I know him. He, he, now, I'm going to tell you what he did. I'm not advising you to do this. I'm telling you what he did. Because of his history doing, believing God for healing. Okay, but I'm not telling you to do this. So, you know, he, he, he got diagnosed with cancer. You know, he, and he's only X amount of pounds. <laughs> he, he, he's about my height and, 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 and thinner than me. Okay? So think about that. So he goes into, the, you know, the, the chemo uh, option is presented to him. He's like, he said, Doc, uh, does this take pounds off your body? He was like, yeah, you know, he's like, well, be straight with me. And she told him how much he's going to lose. He said, I only got so much. I'm not doing that. I'm going to believe God for my healing. Now, again, what I'm telling you, I'm not advising you to do this. I think some pe- there's a lot of people I would say don't do it, right? But I'm saying where he was with his faith, he has a long history of doing this, okay? And he just believed God for his healing. He's healed today. He's healed today, okay? Um, but, but, but I say that because I know a lot of people like that. <laughs> you don't know them. They're not on TV. This is how my life has been in a church where you, I can't unhear those testimonies. I can't unsee those healings. I can't unsee those miracles. And so we get, we get so used to science solving everything for us, we, we just, we stop having faith in Jesus to heal. I'm going to keep going here, okay? And yes, as I said in the other sermon, there's people that I know and it didn't work out. And they, they stayed sick or they passed away. And people I pray for are hard, hard. 
One of those where you're like, hey, well, what, well, Jesus, what happened? You know what? What do you do with those situations? Don't let it bother you. Don't let it bother you. I mean, you mourn the moment. Like, if somebody passes away, you're going to have some tears. You're going to be upset. You're going to say, God, why and all that? You, you got a time to mourn, but after that, you keep, you, you keep moving. I'm on to the next faith project. I'm, I'm, still, I'm not going to stop believing God because I've had a disappointment. God can answer that question when I get to glory. I still believe in him. Just like uh, going back to basketball. I know this is not sports, but what I'm saying, you know, you miss a shot, keep shooting. The game is still going. It's still a championship to win. You're going to stop believing God for every other healing because you had a major disappointment? That's not Joshua D. Smith. Maybe that's you, and if you want to do that, that's fine. That's not me, and, that's not the, and it's not other people who, are, who do this as a way of life. Some people just trying it because they had a tough, they had a tough situation, and they want to they try Jesus. I know we say try Jesus. Look, you got to be in it. And when you're in it, you're not, you're not moved by the disappointment. Like, okay, we missed that. That one didn't go to our way. Okay, next. Not, not that quickly. I know there's time for mourning, but you don't let it rattle you. It has saved lives. It has healed people's bodies. It has secured people financially. It has protected people from physical harm. Let me tell you this. I know this for a fact. There'd be people I know today who would be dead right now if they didn't believe in this. There's people I know today who would be dead right now if they didn't believe in this doctrine. I know people firsthand, not famous, you don't know them, real talk though. I know about many of these testimonies firsthand. But putting the prosperity doctrine in perspective is more than about highlighting the victories. It also means contextualizing the disappointments, again, which I've been doing over the last few months if you've been listening carefully. There is no value in skirting around the reality of disappointment and unanswered prayer, nor giving people false hope. There are situations, and unfortunately, I know, you know, we were in that situation um, a few years ago with my grandmother, and we had to make a decision to take her off life support. And, you know, the decision, it was, it was a decision, and we just did it, and it was, it was a difficult one. And sometimes you're in those situations where you have to say, you know what, I, gotta, I guess I got to let this one go. And that doesn't mean you're not a person of faith. You're, you're making a judgment call. You're making a judgment call. There are situations like that where it's dire and you're like, you're trying to consider the wishes of your loved one and all these things. And some people, and you see them on TV, they're they on life support. And they're in a coma and they're clinically dead. But the family's like, no, we got to keep fighting. That's a, who can judge that? That's a judgment call. Some people want to push and some people like, this is it. I, I'm just not going to keep, I'm not going to keep doing this, right? And there are individuals who they're tired of fighting. Their body's tired, and they just like, I'm good. And they holding on for you. They holding on for you. Okay? That's not a faith question. That's a judgment call question. That's about someone's personal preferences and what they want to do. So we have situations like that. And we got to acknowledge the reality of those situations. That doesn't mean that God's not a healer. It just means there's nuance to the human experience. That's all that that means. Now, over the last several months, what I have provided instead of just saying, hey, it's all or nothing, is a perspective. We acknowledge life's challenges while remaining focused on the victory we have in Jesus. We do both. I've tried to hold two theological pos uh, positions simultaneously. The first is this, a belief that God's promises encompass the blessings of prosperity, which include but are not limited, but are not exclusive 
to physical health, protection, and provision. We believe in that here at this church. But number two, and as you've heard over the last few months, the other aspect of, of it is accepting that life will bring unexpected loss or unwelcome change that will not always lend itself to easy or convenient answers or explanations. You just, we have to come to terms with that. We are limited and we don't know everything. Even the person with the most faith, we're going to encounter a situation like that. And that's when our faith matters the most. We got to still believe in Jesus when our external circumstances are rocked. Somebody's suddenly dying with no warning. It might be an accident. Or I, I, know, I know a guy, I mean, there's a lot of people like this, but, you know, some kind of, I don't know, some kind of aneurysm, whatever it was, it was like you can't predict it. He was just like that, gone. You know, what are you going to do with that, right? Sometimes those things happen, and sometimes you don't have enough information to really assess it well. Sometimes like, well, why did this happen? And they should have, would have, and God, and who had faith and who didn't? You don't, most of the time, you don't have enough of that insight to even know what happened, and you have to leave it to God. With all that said, many of you will need some mental preparation before hearing a pointed message on divine healing. So I'm going to go in, and we're going to get in some classic, what I, at this point, old school, word of faith teaching on healing. We're going to get into it, Okay. But I'm, 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 I'm leading up to it because I'm also sensitive to the fact we are in the age of corona where people are dealing with this virus and you have people who've died. If they haven't died, they've, you know, physically uh, compromised or they may have, uh, you know, uh, uh, pre-existing conditions. And, you know, there's this thought like, well, I mean, does it mean I don't have faith because, you know, I'm going through this? I'm not saying that at all, at all. I'm just saying here's an here's a, here's a, here's a avenue that is... Not just medical, but spiritual. And if it's available, why not pursue it? If it's available, why not pursue it? You have nothing to lose. Don't be afraid that your hopes are going to be up and then disappointed. That's something we're going to address. That's why some people don't do it, because they don't want to get their hopes up. So looking at divine healing holistically, again, I'm going to get to a scripture. I got one. I got one, I promise you. But you see what I'm doing? I'm trying to set you up so that you can receive and not just resist me at every, turn me off and click to the next video. I want you to stay here long enough so you can get the teaching. Again, if you read about Jesus, the, I don't know if he actually did it in this order, but it, it's certainly described this way. He taught, he preached, and he healed. And I, and I believe some of that healing is contingent on the teaching. In fact, I, here, so here's one person, I, I don't mind mentioning his name, uh, Kenneth Hagin. I was raised with him, not literally, but his teaching. My parents, you know, we go home from school. Um, they, they, I didn't go to school in the city I lived in initially. So my, my parents would pick us up. I, I went to school in Compton, California. And they pick us up about a 30-minute drive from, from Compton to Linwood or from, from Compton and then to Cerritos. And then and the, Kenneth Hagin would be on. And there'd be faith, faith seminar on the air with Reverend Kenneth Hagin. <laughs> You know, and I, I mean, whatever, I don't, I don't care. You know, but my mom's listened to it. My parents listened to it. And I'm hearing him talk. And when I was eight year, years old, my mom made me read his book called I Believe in Visions. And in that book, he talks about how he was about to die. The doctor said he was going to die. And he found this passage on faith. And that was the beginning of him preaching this message on faith. Okay. So I've been exposed to that. So, 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 so I'm, I, I'm saying all that. To, to say, I'm saying all that to say, I bring him up because, you know, one of the things that he 
I notice when he teaches, he has a lot of stories. He's old school, and you can tell he was born in, in the early 20th century. You can tell. <laughs> but, you know, his examples and things. But he has all these stories. Why? Because he's doing it. He's not sitting on the sidelines. Well, does God heal today? No, you, you out there, pe- people receiving healing, people not receiving healing. But what he did, he would have these crusades, and then he would teach on healing for weeks. He said, Stay, you know, don't, don't come up, don't come up yet. I'm going to teach first. And then people, their faith to be healed was activated. And he said, when they come up, boom, boom, boom. Because they've been hearing teaching. Their faith had been cultivated to a place where it don't take that long. He, he opened up that ear. <laughs> he opened up those eyes because their faith was activated through the teaching of the word of God. Okay, so let's continue. So looking at divine healing holistically. This is, this is the approach, uh, I don't know if I've heard people talk about it this way uh, a lot or at all, really. So this is, this is I'm, I'm laying some groundwork here about looking at it holistically. Uh, so what, I mean by, what do I mean by holistic? Well, first I'm going to give you a medical concept of holistic. First it's, I got this from the dictionary, characterized by the treatment of the whole person, taking into account mental and social factors rather than just the symptoms of a disease. A lot of times we believe in God for healing, but, and he'll heal you, but sometimes it's tied to a whole host of things affecting your life, that some of which could be physical and some of which may not be physical, and those things need to be addressed for long-term health, even though you may be healed of a symptom in a, a, a healing service, or someone may pray for you, that may happen. It's not like he's not going to not heal you because of that, but if the overall your, 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 the overall arc of your life is in an unhealthy place, it can manifest in a physical situation that's bigger than just him addressing the symptom. And some of that revolve, involves our, you know, changes in what we're doing. Okay, so in other words, we want to, holistic is, to, uh, is to, look, to look at something holistically, is to look at it from all the ways we are present in the world. And I'm bringing this up in part because there are, I mean, Certainly there are, sometimes we don't know why someone has not received physical healing and we shouldn't be judging people because of that, okay? We just should not, okay? We also can be aware of all the ways in which there are opportunities for sickness to come into our body and we have to be aware of that, right? So for Christians, this means considering the reality of our spirits, souls, and bodies. And this is where I get into the scripture I'm gonna have today, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.23, okay? It says this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bring this passage up because it has some classic language for people in the word of faith context, right? Because word of faith people are trichotomists. That's a seminary term, but I'll I'll explain that in a second, right? So some Christians view the human experience in two parts. That is, body and soul. Very common. Maybe you've heard people talk about that. When they say soul, they mean like the spiritual side of you, and your body is the physical side of you, and that's basically what it is, right? Others view the human experience in three parts. And for word of faith people, we look at 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and we say, okay, spirit, body, and soul. Okay, so we know what the spirit is. That's spiritual. We know what the body is. That's physical. So what's the soul? We deduce that the soul has to do with the mind, will, and the emotions, all right? Now, it's a little confusing because the word soul in the Bible is not always consistent. So sometimes it is used in a way that is seeming to be more aligned with spirit, 
than mind, right? And sometimes you see it, okay, I can see it's more mind than spirit. So I don't, I don't get into, this, it's not, this is not going to decide your salvation. <laughs> it's just a different way of thinking about it, but we tend to be trichotomists. I, I bring that up because I want to talk about the holistic side of the human experience. That's why I'm bringing it up, right? So even if other terms are used, the basic idea of a trichotomist, which is a three-part perspective, um, is that there is a spiritual, psychological, and physical aspect of the human experience. Okay? So even if you don't like the terms, there's a physical, there's a spiritual part, there's a psychological part, and there's a physical aspect of the human experience. Spirit having to do, obviously, with spiritual. Soul having to do with mind, will, and emotions, and body having to do with physical. Why is that the case? Because all three of these are gateways for us to affect our, feeling, our healing to be effective. So, for example, the, on the spiritual side, and we'll get into this, there are some illnesses, and you see it in the ministry of Jesus, that are uh, animated by a demonic entity. Not all sickness and disease is, but some, some of it is. You have to actually cast out the demon before you can address the sickness. In fact, you, in fact, sometimes you cast out the demon and the sickness is gone immediately. That's a spiritual dynamic, right? We all know about the reality of the psychology and stress and our emotions and how that can affect us physically. I mean, that's, that's pretty common knowledge, how your, 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 your state of mind, your, your emotions, the stresses can feed physical issues in your body. So, you know, the Lord can heal the symptoms, but if it's still being fed by stresses, those stresses have to be addressed. And then, of course, even the body. But even the body, you know, look, I, you know, I, I, I go to my chiropractor, and, you know, I remember one time I had some pain in my knee, and I went to a traditional doctor, and they said, you just need to stop running. I said, okay. That, that, didn't, that just didn't sit right. They gave me some pills or something. It didn't seem right, sit right with me. So I went to a chiropractor, had to spend my own money because it wasn't on my insurance. But they said, oh, that's not natural knee. That's, that's, that's your... Your, your, the muscles in your leg projecting pain to your knee. It's not even, it's not even a knee issue. So we started, uh, you know, massaging and addressing my leg, and then it definitely affected the knee pain. But that's a holistic situation. One part of the body affecting some other part of the body. Or some of you are in, in, into holistic medicine or whatever it is. It's like all these things are connected. And so we have to think this way. Why, and and so, so why am I saying this? Because... I want us to move away from being narrow-minded about how healing works and saying, see, it didn't happen, so, you know, God must not be healing people today. Well, there's so many variables and context that have to be considered, considered if we're looking at it in a holistic way. There's things that God does supernaturally, but there's also things we can do to help ourselves to have a healthy way of life. So I'm going to leave it there. I mean, when we get into next Sunday, I'm, we're going to get into some scriptures that are going to really speak to this. This Sunday is just the setup, okay? But, but here's what I want to leave with you, and here's the, the, the main idea that should be left from the message as we, as we kind of close our, our sermon here, is that at the end of the day, divine healing is found in the person of Jesus. Find Jesus, find healing. We, we emphasize this in communion. We, we emphasize it in our songs today, right? Jesus, you're all I need. Jesus, I feed on you. Jesus, you're my food. You're my drink. When he becomes that, we can access 
not only the healing ministry of Jesus, but so many other aspects of his ministry to us get access when we pursue the person of Jesus. Christianity is about Jesus. Church is about Jesus. And if nothing else from today's message you get, it, you need to get that, that Jesus is the starting point for anything else you do spiritually with Christianity. And if you haven't had an encounter with the Jesus of Scripture, maybe some other Jesus you found in history books and somebody talking about him, let me tell you something. The best biographies of Jesus are in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I can't get into it right now. There's so many ways to affirm the fact that those are reliable accounts of the life of Jesus. Don't have time today. But they are reliable accounts of the life of Jesus. And if those are true, then you need an encounter with him. And especially if you look at the book of John, you see people like the Samaritan woman, and you see people like, like Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and you see people like John and Nicodemus, who they had personal encounters with Jesus, and it changed their lives. Some of you, you've been going to church for a lot of your life, but you've never had an encounter with Jesus. You've got praying family and friends, and you are involved in church traditions, but you've never had an encounter with Jesus. You never prayed to Jesus and really meant it. It was not never sincere. It was just like an external part of your life. Well, this morning, I want to invite you to have that encounter. He is the starting point for so many things that God wants to do in your life. If that's you, maybe you've never, ever been a person of faith. Or you're a person who's been around people of faith, but you've never taken it seriously. You've never actually made Jesus your God. Today, that can change. If that's you, I'd like you to repeat after me in a prayer that if you pray this sincerely, you will have that encounter with Jesus. Repeat after me, please. Dear God, I come to you now and I repent. I want to turn away from what I'm doing and turn to what you're doing. God, I want to thank you for sending Jesus your son, to die for me. I believe that not only did he die for my sins, but he was raised for my sins. And when he was raised from the dead, he made it possible for me to live a righteous life. I know that to live righteously and to live holy requires me to submit to Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I submit to Jesus now. I thank you, Lord, that he lives in my heart and I receive the Holy Spirit that is a gift to me from Jesus. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I now live a life that is righteous and holy. In Jesus' name. Amen.